everyone, welcome to Handing the Shame Back, a channel dedicated to survivors of child sexual abuse across the world. We know that we have a lot of people who are walking around the planet who have not yet been able to find their voices. And we also know there are people who are starting to speak. Uh, wherever you are on the spectrum, we welcome you. You are safe here. And uh, this is a wonderful survivor community. As with all shows, there is a trigger warning. And that is simply because something that you might hear today might uh, remind you of your own story and feel upsetting. Please, 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 if that happens, stop watching. Go to the show notes below and you'll be directed to some guidance and support. I have an amazing guest today. He and I have been trying for a while now to connect and get him on the show. His name is Lawwood Choi. He comes to us from California. He is a survivor. He is an optimist, which I love, and he is a brother. So welcome to the show, Lawwood. Yes. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited for our conversation today, Gloria. I am too. You better live up to it. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> so as with all uh, shows, I would love it if you would share as much or as little as you're comfortable to about your own history of child sexual abuse, how old you were when it started, kind of uh, were you at home, like who, how, why, where, when. Uh, so, yes, over to you with your comfort level. Um, thank you so much again. Um, my first experience with assault was actually in college, my first year. Um, I grew up in the States on the West Coast in California, and I was offered a great opportunity to play tennis for college out on the East Coast. And at the time, I thought to myself, you know what, California is not that great. There are a lot of other great states. I will take the leap over and uh, go to college here. Um, and I want to context this by saying it was a very jarring experience. Um, I love my family. I love Southern California. I love the communities that I'm a part of. And I grew up there all my whole life. So to uproot and to go to somewhere completely different is quite jarring to say the least. And, um, you know, I was fortunate enough that being a part of a tennis team, you get to meet fellow tennis teammates and get community connected to a community automatically. But uh, that's kind of how I was introduced to my, who would be my assaulter. Um, it was originally uh, a teammate's friend. And, you know, we'll call this person Ray, just, you know, give him a pseudonym. And uh, Ray and I were good friends. You know, we did what friends would do. You, you hang out, you run into each other at the cafeteria. And, um, you know, uh, you just hang out. But uh, it things had escalated when uh, one night uh, a friend and I had gone over to Ray's apartment. And uh, Ray's a little bit older than us. So he was drinking. And, you know, in the States at 18, you are not allowed to drink legally. And so he offered my friend and I some alcohol. I was not very interested. I had not drank an alcohol all the way up until this point. 
And uh, I was like, you know what, I'm okay. But eventually succumbing to peer pressure, I was just like, you know what, I'll have some. Uh, the night wears on. I'm not particularly fond of the taste of alcohol at that point. And I am just tired. I don't feel good. I feel very anxious the entire time. And eventually, as the night is wearing on, people say, my friend goes, oh, I think we should take off. And uh, Ray says to my friend, oh, I think Lorwood should stay here. He seems pretty drunk. And I just did not feel good about that. I was just felt really uncomfortable. But why would my friend have any reason to concern himself? Ray has been nothing but a good friend. He's taken care of us. He's an upperclassman. And to this day, I hold no like judgment or harbor any hate in my heart for my friend. Because Ray, up until this point, had been very trustworthy. Um, and so, you know, my friend leaves. It's just Ray and I in the apartment. And, uh, you know, I feel very uncomfortable. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to pretend like I'm asleep so you could just leave me alone. Um, and Ray kind of is like trying to talk to me. He's like, hey, I got to tell you something. Hey, I got to tell you something. And I'm like, okay, like I kind of don't want to hear it. I just feel very uncomfortable. Alcohol is in my system. I feel very like it's a new sensation. I'm very anxious. And he, and at this point I'm on the floor of the apartment and I'm hugging a backpack and I'm pretending to be like so drunk, so out of my mind, just please leave me alone. And he picks me up. And he, I just remember so distinctly, he's like so strong. He like picks me up and sits me on the couch and he's like, hey, I got to tell you something. I got to tell you something. I'm like, I'm pretty sure I already know what's coming. Like, I'm pretty sure you're going to tell me you're gay, but that's besides the point. Like, that doesn't really uh, change how I feel about you. And it's like, oh, I got to tell you something. I got to tell you something. I'm like, okay, like what? He's like, whatever, I'm gay. And I'm like, okay, like, thank you for telling me. Um, this doesn't really, I don't thank you. I was just kind of like, uh, yeah, I'm like thankful that you feel comfortable enough to tell me. And he's like, this is where it starts to get a little weird where he's like, you're the only person that I can trust. There's nobody on this campus who understands me like you do. If anyone found out, then, you know, they would ostracize me, they would criticize me. And it makes me this like secret keeper for him. Um, and so I'm like, you know, thank you for telling me. This changes little in the way of my friendship to you. Like, I'll still be your friend. Like, that's fine. Um, but then uh, he like reaches over and he tries and he like grabs me in like my groin area and I was and instantly I'm like I'm awake like all the alcohol all the adrenaline is just like rushing into my system and I'm just like whoa like that is not okay that is not appropriate like what the heck and he's like you don't allow me to do this because you're homophobic you hate black people you're bigoted and racist just like everyone else on this campus and was just throwing all these insults at me and for me i'm like trying to stay strong i'm like no like you cross a personal boundary like you're not allowed to do that um that's not okay and now looking back like i was genuinely just so inundated with so many accusations that i didn't even have a moment to think about what my perspective was and i was just like no like that's not okay and i'm trying to like and i'm like okay like i feel very unsafe this person is bigger than me taller than me stronger than me has now clearly shown like outbursts of anger like I feel very unsafe and I and we don't talk for a couple of days and he's saying you're just like everyone else you're, you're homophobic like everyone else you're racist like everyone else and it was very very disorienting and I wish I could say like that I was just like you know what I'm done with this person I am never going to contact you again but 
it was a very small campus. And to me, I was like, you know what, you're a friend. Like, I want to be able to afford your understanding. And, you know, um, things kind of only escalated from there. And, you know, there were times where he would like, you know, like months and months later, he would, he would like go back to his apartment. He was like, I hate, oh, like, I hate arguing with you. And I'd be like, okay, like, I don't know how to respond to that. And he'd be like, I want you to kiss me. And I was just like, um, I really don't feel comfortable with that. But again, like, I'm very scared and I feel my body just shutting down. And I'm just so like, you know, you just don't know what to do. And he puts his arms like across over me and like pins me against the, and it's like, I'm like kind of trapped. And I'm like, yeah, I could duck, but like, I just feel so unsafe and I feel my body freezing. It's like, I want you to kiss me. And I was just like, and I just don't say anything. I'm so frozen. And he just like comes in for a kiss. And I can remember that kiss like so distinctly. I just remember like how dry his face was, how like resistant I was, how disgusting I felt. And I remember just trying to keep it together because I was telling myself like, if I freak out right now, if I show any sign of an outburst, if I just don't have control over myself, like things could escalate and get much, much, much worse. And I was terrified of that. Yeah. And so I am like trying to keep it together. I am just like going along with the day. And I remember so distinctly when I got back to my dorm room that night, I was just like, I wish I could cut my lips off. Like I feel so disgusting. And I just want to like preface this by saying up until this point, I've kissed maybe like two people. And so my experience of like kissing people is like not very uh, well-versed at this point. And it feels so, it felt like something was so sullied for me like something was so ruined for me like something that was supposed to be fun and enjoyable and between people that like really care for each other like it's just fun it, it was taken from me in by someone who wanted something from me and um yeah there was one more incident that uh i like still struggle to comprehend to this day where you know I just remember waking up like on a mattress in his room and I was just like, I don't know how I got here. I remember coming over to like watch a movie and have some dinner, but I don't know how I got to the mattress on the floor. I'm like really hot. I'm not wearing any clothes but my underwear and I'm just like freaking out again. I'm just, it's like, you know, I'm like, there and I'm like my eyes are open and I'm like looking around I'm like okay how do I get myself out of this situation and I can feel his hand like reach over and grab me in my groin area again and he's like like stroking me and he's like you like this don't you and I'm like and I'm again like I'm so frozen and terrified I'm thinking this guy is like laying next to me on top of me if I say no like what are the consequences for me right now um and I'm just like so terrified. And he's like, and I'm like, no, this is. And eventually, in my head, I'm like, okay, like, how do I get out of here? And I'm like, oh, I, I just got to say, like, I have to sleep in my own bed. And I'm just like freaking out so much. And I'm like, hey, like, I, I really need to like sleep in my own bed. And I'm trying to be so calm and like so diplomatic. And I can just feel him like keep like 
touching me up and I'm like no I should get going and I can feel him like get closer to me and like hold me closer and I can feel like his genitalia push up against my butt and I'm like no I should get going and he's like eventually I think I don't know for whatever reason I'm able to get out of the bed I'm just slowly putting on my clothes and I'm just like okay be calm be calm like we gotta get through this and I'm just like putting on my clothes he's like is everything okay and I'm like yeah everything's okay like I just really need to sleep in my own bed like I'm just really tired you know I'm just trying to give these very non-answers I, I like clock I go down the stairs and I remember so distinctly I was like I just have to make it to the trees if I make it to the trees I'm out of sight of the apartment and I can do whatever I need to do then and I'm just walking down. I'm like, it's okay, it's okay. And as soon as I hit the tree line, I, I'm, I'm running. And I remember this so distinctly. It was slightly snowy. My feet are slipping off the concrete because it's they're just melting under my feet. I'm wearing gray sweater and gray sweats in my running shoes. And I'm just running back to my dorm room. And I get to my dorm room and I just collapse into a ball. And I just am freaking out. I'm like, I don't know what happened. Like, I just don't understand what has happened to me like I feel like so personally violated and objectified and I'm really fortunate that you know it didn't go anything past that because I was like checking myself and I was like do I feel really sore anywhere do I feel like any residue on me but I just remember sitting there and being like I want to throw up my guts and I wish I could just like blend myself away and just be nothing because I hate feeling like this mm. And I would go to the restroom and I wouldn't even be able to like look or hold myself. And I would just literally like stand there at the urinal and I would cross my arms and I would look away because I was just like, I don't even want to look at myself right now because I feel so, so like disgusted. And oh, I think that has been a feeling that. Yeah. Uh, um, but it's just been something that I look back on and I realize, you know, a lot of things could have gone differently. A lot of things really hurt and there's still things that I struggle with to this day. Like I'm still, there are moments where I will catch myself in the mirror and be like, just feel an immense amount of disgust for myself. So um, I, I just want to stop you there because you're saying so many things that I think are so valuable so first of all, thank you so much for your courage. It's really hard to recount these experiences um, because they're so personal to us and, and equally we can hold on to misplaced guilt and shame and self-loathing. But I just, just before we move on, I just want to check in. How old were you when you went to this um, college? Um, it should have been, I think I was 17 or 18 at the time. Um, I was... Yeah. Okay. So, look, I just want to say there's, there's several things, and you may have already made sense of all of it, but tell me if this feels okay and for our beautiful survivors watching work alongside me here team because I think this is really powerful and it's what we can often experience 
first of all, Lord, you were manipulated. You were manip manipulated into a situation where suddenly you're somewhere you never chose to be or felt you wanted to be, but that was negated, ignored, and shut down, number one. Number two, he coerced your friend into agreeing. You see the power of the pedophile or the abuser? Mm. Number three, he then, when he couldn't quite get everything he wanted, he then started to flatter you. Are you seeing the methodology employed here? Very, mm. very clever, very clever. Not many people and young people could withstand that and be able to come away with any sense of power. So please just know you were in the hands of a master. This was not unknown behavior to him. Just in case you weren't aware, I'm wondering, these are some of the tendencies or characteristics of a psychopath. So I don't know if you've ever actually been able to recognize that what you were dealing with, you would not have been able to deal with. Yeah, um, I think I've definitely been able to recognize like the manipulation that was at play of being the secret keeper. Of, you're the only person that I can trust. Uh, these, mm. Yeah, and um, looking back, I recognize, you know, uh, yeah, that was really difficult for me to look back on. Even now to this day, sometimes I question myself of, oh, am I being homophobic? Am I being racist? Am I being bigoted? Or no, you, know, um, you, you were being set up. Yeah. You were set up to take the focus off him and put it on you. You were being set up to doubt yourself because he couldn't have you doubt mm -hmm. him. Do you see that? So he, he was a master grade A manipulator and you were a lot younger than him and he could sense your gentle, um, you know, wanting to do the right thing and wanting to fit in and wanting to be part of something. He just manipulated through flattery, coercion, bribery and the interesting thing is your instincts you've said it a few times you were incredibly uncomfortable you were really anxious and you were actually quite scared so the point being you couldn't even have your own back because he wasn't going to let you have your own back that's how powerful he was what do you think about that yeah it was uh yeah I think about that often where you know, it's a very difficult situation. And it's a lot of things coming at you all at once. And it's hard to process through all of that all at once when you get the whole kitchen sink thrown at you. One of the things I think is really powerful and and it, it it's probably going, going to be a process if, if it hasn't already uh, felt that you're there yet is you fit in exactly to what he wanted so you were malleable to him and he molded you the way he wanted you there is no way you could rebuff that or challenge that 
you tried and then you tried again and then you kept trying and you tried until you ran away from it. But please, please take the pressure off you for not doing more. I, uh, I think for a long time, I struggled with the word of being a victim. And I always thought to myself, oh, no, no. I'm not a victim, I'm not a victim. But eventually, I think I came to the reality of sometimes really bad people get a hold of you and really bad circumstances happen to you. And it is just the tragedy of life. And the sooner you're able to accept that sometimes awful things happen for awful reasons, for no sense, I think it relieves a lot of pressure off your shoulders. And that was a big step for me to be like, you know what, this is an awful situation, an awful person. And I have to let go of what I should have done or what I would have done or what I could have done and say, this is what happened. This is what it is. When you, and I'm so glad you say that because if I put another survivor in front of you and described a similar situation, would you be judging that person for not being able to act more strongly? So hello, mirror, mirror, Lord. Yeah, absolutely. So look, just uh, we're coming into the end of our part one, believe it or not. I don't know where the time goes, but um, just as we're finishing up I, with this part, I just wanted to say, you know, audience, isn't it powerful? The, the words and the actions of a master manipulator and this is what these abusers are and they're, they're actually, their tendencies are psychopathic, the com complex narcissists as well, but the reality is they know how to work people and they could see that in, in Lord and aren't we lucky to have him here raising these issues because it's not something we've often looked at. And um, I just want to say, as we're signing off for part one, come back and watch part two, because this is where we get into what Lord did next. <laughs> so stay where you are, Lord, and for you beautiful survivors watching, you know I see you, I stand beside you, and I believe you. Mm -hmm.